Here's the good news. You are not called to be like St. Andre Bessette or any other saint. You are called to be the unique saint that God called you to with your own unique gifts, your own talents, and your own calling on your life. And if you don't think that you that God can work with you, then you need a bigger God. So why not? Like, why not go for it? Because there, there's nothing that disqualifies you from radically partnering with God to build the kingdom. You just you chase after Christ, abide with him, and say a radical yes to the life he's given you. If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Tai Hua here with my co-host John Kahns, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Today, we move into the third and final pillar of the framework, becoming a better leader. In the next few episodes, we'll cover some key elements of growing as a leader, including intentional growth and holiness, leadership development tools, and intentional skills building. But today, we're answering the question... Is holiness enough? Hey, John. Ty, good to see your face again. So good to see my face. <laughs> I think this is going to be a good episode for people. They, you know, that this idea that we're, we're really working on ourselves professionally, trying to grow in all these different areas. And, and I don't want us to forget that all the way back at the beginning, it all starts with that relationship with God with discernment in that first pillar. So we see how things kind of come full circle today. And I, I do hope that everybody appreciates that and, and that we recognize that really is the most important thing. So yeah, is holiness enough? That's the question. Should we just dive in with some story time? I would love nothing more than that. <laughs> well, this is, this is not a story from my life, but this is a story of a saint that I believe it, it really makes the point that we're trying to make today. And this is St. Andre Bassett. It might be Bassetti. I don't know. It, he's, he's from Canada. Uh, but St. Andre Bassett, he was born in 1845 in Quebec, Canada. And both of his parents died by the time he was 12. So he, he was really kind of thrown into this world. He was really given, really dealt a, a hard hand. Uh, and he was mostly illiterate. And he had really bad health. And so what happened is as he grew up and tried to work, they found out that Andre couldn't keep up. And he had a lot of trouble uh, getting a job, holding a job, keeping a job, make any money to, to really live off of. Eventually, he does discern that he wants to join a religious congregation. And, and what he runs into is because he's in such poor health, the feeling is that, that they get him and they think, well, he's just trying to get a handout. He knows if he lives here, he's going to have himself taken care of. So he has a lot of trouble actually pursuing holy orders, pursuing the priesthood, getting into any kind of congregation at all. But eventually his pastor writes him a note and sends him to the Congregation of the Holy Cross at Notre Dame College in Montreal, Canada. And, and he gives him a letter and it says, I am sending you a saint. And even with that... As they bring him into the congregation, they see how difficult it is for him to keep up and to live the life that they've got. Um, the, the bishop even has to step in and say, no, Andre gets to stay. Right? So again, he's sick, he's not well-educated, and, and they, they don't really have any normal work they can do. So what do they do? They stick him at the door. He's the doorkeeper, and that's the simple, humble job that he's given. And Brother Andre would even go on to joke um, that at the end of my novitiate, my super, my superiors showed me the door, and I stayed there for 40 years. 
<laughs> I know, right? So even for him to realize, like, yeah, I know I, I didn't, quote unquote, amount to much. I wasn't given a big job. But over time, what people began to experience was the wisdom of God and the healing of God that came through him. And what they saw was that the boys at the school would, would even do things like skip class. They'd skip mass to go and to be with him, to visit with him, because the wisdom of, the God, would, of God would pour out of him. And even over time, thousands of healings were attributed to his intercession. But of course, St. Andre, or Brother Andre, always attributed these healings to St. Joseph's intercession. So what did this simple, um, illiterate, not intelligent, not well-educated man do? He wanted to honor St. Joseph, so he began saving up his nickels. And approximately $200 worth of nickels he was able to save up so that he could build a really simple wood structure to honor, to thank St. Joseph. And as time collect going on, like this was such a shabby little tent pole that he made for St. Joseph that he had to continue collecting coins so he could build things like a ceiling, a roof, and walls for it. But God's generosity worked through him, it spilled over, and they were able to begin work on a basilica. And so even today, you can go and see this uh, this basilica to St. Joseph, this uh, oratory of St. Joseph's, and you can go, and the walls are lined with the canes that were left behind by people who were healed through Brother Andres, through St. Andres' intercession. So this really simple, uneducated man, right, unqualified, not physically fit, right, not capable of doing a lot of work, and the things that he accomplished in his life because of his holiness, were truly astounding, right? He's healing thousands of people. He's building this basilica, which wasn't completed in his lifetime, but was well underway by the time that he passed away. And so just this amazing story of of this man who's incredibly underqualified, who begins actually even transforming the world to the point where we know who he is today. So is holiness enough? Yes. Holiness is enough, but people are truly holy, right? If they're motivated by their faith, if they truly have the faith of a saint, these holy people always seem to be moved to work harder on God's behalf. And we think of people like Mother Teresa, which <laughs> I there's there's pictures of Mother Teresa's feet. <laughs> it's something you can Google on your own time, you know, when you're looking for something to do. But somebody like Mother Teresa. Her feet, you, you can see pictures of it, and it's something that actually inspired people because they're, they're just all gnarled. Because in her life, it wasn't just enough to work for the poor. It wasn't just enough to raise money, to open these houses and stuff. Everything in her was oriented because of her, her faith in God, which, which drove her to holiness, that she even would collect shoes and she would take the worst pair for herself so she could give them to others. Over the decades of her life, that meant that her feet were in awful shape and just twisted and gnarled from being shoved into shoes that were too small, that were in bad shape. You know, this, these, this is what holiness does. It doesn't say, it's enough that I'm praying. It says, I can do more, right? We think about St. John Paul II, who became the most traveled pope. I mean, he was everywhere, right? The holy person is meek. They're humble. And so they recognize that there is more yet to do. And they tend to start now, right? So that's where we're going to kick off today. That's just amazing to think about Andre Bissett, Mother Teresa. Another one that kind of sticks out is Joseph Cupertino. You know, he wasn't, didn't have much. He wasn't super smart. Everywhere he went, people made fun of him. But when he saw the statue of the Madonna, 
I mean, the dude flew like he levitated. You know, it was to the point where his superiors thought it was, you know, he was um, um, possessed by demons. So they did a, a like a 24 hour exorcism and the dude was, you know, subordinate to a fault. And he's, you know, if, if this is what you want, if this is what God wills it to be. And, you know, I, I forget what movie it is, but it's an old school movie. Um, you just at, right at the end, you you know that he is holy because the light shines really brightly and the chains that held him down during this exorcism, you can hear the shackles fall off of him. And it's like, yeah, that guy's holy. That guy's awesome. <laughs> and, and what it does, you know, it becomes a, a living witness. I mean, that's the power of it. Yeah, I think holiness covers a whole multitude of inefficiencies, inadequacies, inadequacies right? That, that the holiness really, it does cover those. But that's, that means we really need to work on becoming holy, receiving the holiness that God has intended for us. And so that's what we'll look at today as we dive into this, this third pillar of the Catholic ministry professionals framework. And this is absolutely 100% part of becoming a better leader, that third pillar. And it, and it's biased towards personal growth. It's biased towards growth and holiness. And so just a little disclaimer, you know, According to the church, yes, technically, holiness and faith, while they are things to strive after, they're, they're not actually things that are to be attained, right? We can't just attain holiness. They're, they're gifts that are bestowed on us by God. That said, they're very much tied to our actions, and, and this seems to be really cleared out, clearly spelled out in Scripture. And so we're going to look at Scripture, particularly John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17, this is the famous vine and the branches where Jesus talks about that. But for our purposes, as we strive to grow in holiness, we're going to look at really two things. And those two things are that we're going to seek to abide in Jesus and we're going to love others well. Ultimately, this is that, that commandment that Jesus gives us, right? Love God and love of neighbor, the sum of all of the, the Old Testament, the sum of the law, right? Love God, love your neighbor. So abiding with Jesus, right? This is this is key. This is tantamount. This is the thing that we need to do if we want our ministries to be just soaked in the, the goodness of God. If we want it to flow from God and point back to God, we have to abide in Jesus. And Jesus says this in this John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. In the first 11 verses, Jesus says, abide in me 10 times. So how important must it be to abide in him? And he ties that directly to the fruit that we will bear. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But Jesus says, abide in me. So how do we do that? It's really simple. And, and I would say adoration, yes. Obviously the sacraments, that's where Jesus is. But if we truly want to discern the will of God and implement that in our parish missions, we need to abide in with Jesus in Scripture. And, and we, we, we can't really fully abide without bathing ourselves in those scriptures, and particularly the Gospels. So if you truly want to grow in holiness, you need to begin reading the scriptures. You need to know the Gospels, and you need to begin. You need to begin with Matthew chapter 1, read your way all the way through, get through all four Gospels, and then just do it again. Now, you don't have to do it all in one sitting. That might take a little while, but... 
<laughs> it can be really transformative just to sit down and read a whole gospel. But I would say just pick one, two chapters a day and just start reading. Just make that the rhythm of your life. Make that the rhythm of your prayer. If you do not have a habit of praying with scripture, start here. Just really immerse yourself, soak yourself in the scriptures, in the gospel stories, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that mystery of faith. It's contained there and it will transform your heart. And it's it's the one thing that brings the most people out of the Catholic Church, right? When people who have left the church and you talk to them like, why did you leave? Well, because I experienced Jesus over there. And you know what they were doing over there at that non-denominational church they were drawn to? They were breaking open the word and giving people unfettered access to the word of God, to Jesus in the scriptures. That's how important this is, that it transforms heart. It, it converts people and moves them in a direction. And so if we want to be people of faith, people who are holy, people who are converted, people are who are abiding in Jesus, we have to be in the scriptures. Amen? Amen. I mean, now, it's not a secret that I love the show The Chosen, right? <laughs> and that just reminds me of the disciples living the scriptures. But yet, you know, you look at Mary Magdalene, you look at, I forget the other gal's name that doesn't know how to read, but she wants to learn to read so that she could study scripture. Uh, Matthew, in his story, he, he left, you know, the, what would you say, the Jewish ways uh, at, a, at a young age because he had all these different skills that nobody understood as, as it is portrayed in the show. So he's learning scriptures. But how awesome is it when they're all standing around and Simon is leading them in reciting a psalm or uh, an Old Testament uh, prophet, you know, scriptures from the Old Testament from, from a prophet. Like, all of them say it together. So do you think they were bathed in scripture as they grew up for them to be able to just recite it off of the top of their head? Like how awesome is that? So it goes to what you're saying, John, of knowing scripture, living scripture, and then, you know, letting it transform you. Like that's powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so you, you got to do it. it. It's just non-negotiable. And I'd, I'll even throw it back to that first couple episodes where we really talked about discerning and listening to the will of God. This is exactly where they get that from, right? This whole idea that without Jesus, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. And just if you're not abiding in him and bearing fruit, you're going to get pruned out. This is the lifeblood. Scripture is the lifeblood of ministry. And, and so we all need to be immersed in it. And, and that's not even just if you work in the church, right? This is the call for all of us who desire to follow Jesus. This is how you evangelize, by knowing the man and sharing him with others. How do we know him? Again, yes, you can go to a adoration. Yes, you can meet him in the sacraments. But the sacraments are the life for those who are initiated. So if you want to evangelize, you've got to be able to give people, the things that lead up to that point where they're initiated and can participate fully in the sacraments. So that scripture, that tradition of the church, that really precedes that and that leads to faith. And then the faith leads us into the actions of faith, which are participation in the life of the church. All right, so that's that first one. You got to abide in Jesus. The next one, moving on, you got to love others well. And, and this, is, this is absolutely important for um, growth in holiness. And, and ultimately, loving others well 
it, it's ultimately found in dying, <laughs> right? This is, uh, it's no secret, right? The, the ultimate act of love that ever happened was the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. That was the ultimate act of love. And yes, the resurrection happened, but greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends, right? That's from that famous line from scripture. That's from this section where Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches. And then he goes on and he says, there is no greater love for a man to show than to die for another person, to lay down their life. And he follows that right up by saying, new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. Well, how did Jesus love the church? He died for it. How did he love you? He died for you and for your sins. So again, if you want to love others well, you have to die well for them. And I will say, most of us probably won't have to die for our faith in, in our country that we're living. We're very, we're very fortunate to live where we do in the United States. But that doesn't mean that we don't also have to die in the ways that we are called to die. And I think the number one way the number way, one way that this happens is through intentionally fulfilling our daily duties and, and fulfilling them well. That's the number one way that we, we die to ourselves in any given day, the number one way we're called to live out holiness. And, and Andre Bassetti, he did this really well. He was a doorkeeper. That was his main job. But he was an excellent doorkeeper. And he didn't allow, he didn't allow resentment being put in that post to get in the way of evangelizing and living out the gospel. So imagine desiring so much, right? You perceive this call, you're going to go and you want to evangelize people. Imagine you're working so hard just to get in the door at this place because you want to transform the world for Jesus. You want to really live that out and bring people to him. And then you just get made the doorkeeper. You can imagine the resentment that could take hold or just the health issues that he had. The health issues, the hand he was dealt, he could have let resentment get in the way, but no, he didn't let these resentments get in the way. He lived well. He lived holy. He fulfilled those duties well, and in doing so, transformed the world around him, right? So how does that translate to us? Little resentments, right? I, I'm guilty of this, right? If, if I see something that was left out or not put away or whatever it might be, uh, instead of just picking up and dealing with it, I might point it out to my wife, hey, you left this out. But would it be a little more holy for me to just pick up after my spouse <laughs> if I see that something got left out, to close the cupboard door that got left open, or all of us, you know, the lights got left on in every single room that nobody's in, just turn them off, not bring any attention to it, but just to die in that little way, to just turn them off, just to make up for it. You know, how about disciplining our children, right? Children are frustrating. And and am I disciplining them in an age-appropriate way, right? Do I have the patience to really understand and enjoy their childhood so that I'm not just trying to cage their behavior in a way that makes my life easier, right? And I used to get really annoyed about this one, right? Um, doing the dishes. I don't like doing the dishes. It was a punishment for me when I was growing up. So for me, it's, it's just not fun. <laughs> but it has to be done every single day. And that used to annoy me until one day I was sitting there and I was just kind of steaming up in my brain and I started thinking what's the point of feeling any kind of way about this it has to be done and so now I just do them you know and but like how do we order our brains and realize that like it's actually the holy action for me in this moment is not to be annoyed or frustrated about these things that are often beyond our control but but are just really small things so rather than feeling resentment getting annoyed being angry choosing to fulfill our daily duties well, 
to choose to suffer well. So that's, that's, I think, the number one way that we're all called to grow in holiness. I don't know what and else to add there. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll add a couple more. <laughs> I think another one, um, fasting, right? This is another great way to grow in holiness. This is another way to love others well. And I, the one area that I had to call myself out for, right? So many people love their church so much that they're, they're willing to discuss ad nauseum the ways that the church could be doing things better. <laughs> and that's, you know, one of the things we do on this podcast. But do we just complain, right? Is it just complaining about the pastor or the workers in the church out of a righteous desire for the church to be better? Or have we first loved our pastors and our workers in the church enough to lay down our lives, our comfort, our hunger for them? Are we just complaining about them? Or have we loved them enough to actually fast for them, to help them to grow in holiness? Right to help them to well, honestly not even to help them really to help us to grow in love for them so that we can partner with them better in the journey. Are we fasting? Because I I don't I, I do fast for my pastor right I, I I don't think anybody has the right to complain about somebody if they haven't first loved them enough to fast for them. Right to to me that that is something we should do. You know it, I know it's it's a conversation we had before Ty like well have you fasted about it. You know, whatever this situation might be. And <laughs> dear listener, you can't see this, but Ty's shaking his head at me because I <laughs> throw that one at him all the time. <laughs> but are you, how about for your spouse? If you and your spouse, right, if you're having a bad month, a bad year, whatever it might be, are you fasting for your spouse? Right? Have you fasted for them? Have you loved them enough to die for them? And not so you can shove it in their face and be like, I'm fasting for you. I love you more right, or whatever it might be, but to genuinely invite the Lord in a powerful way into this, to get over yourself so that you can love your, your, your spouse more. You know, that, that's the call, right? The fasting allows us to do that. And Jesus says that in Scripture, right? There are some spirits that can't be driven out except by prayer and fasting, that that goes hand in hand. And we are called to fast, right? He says, you know, the, the Pharisees come up to Jesus and they say, hey, how come your disciples don't fast like John's did? And he says, well, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? But soon the bridegroom will be taken up and then they will fast. Ooh. We're supposed to be fasting. It's all part of the deal, right? So it's, and it's an excellent way to grow in love. I, uh, I don't particularly do it well. Uh, <laughs> you, you'll see it on my face that I'm fasting. <laughs> I, there's another scripture verse about that, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I, it's, it's tough for me. It, it's, mm -hmm. you know, you know, wash, it's the scripture that says, wash your face and don't let anybody know that you're fasting. You don't need to be sackcloth and ashes. Yeah. So for me, it, it's, it's not tough for me to fast. It's just, I, I forget to do it mm -hmm. right? because you get stuck well, in the, the, the rut of mm -hmm. complaining of, you know, just looking at, at all of the different ways that everybody else has wronged you or is not doing something right. So mm -hmm. I just forget to do it. Well, and I will say I'm, I'm the first to admit that I get hangry. And so for me, the tough part is doing it and doing it well. Um, but, you know, the other thing is we can fast from all sorts of things. It doesn't necessarily, I mean, we are called to fast from food on occasion, but there's other ways to fast too. Another, an obvious one, right, for, for spouses is 
are you on your phone too much? Can you fast from your phone at least during certain hours to give your spouse more of your time? That's a real dying to self, especially if in a real way we're addicted to our phones and being on them. To Ooh. fast from that phone is is in a way a denial of self, a healthy denial of self that allows you to love those around you better. You know, so again, there's, there's ways to do this. Um, another way to grow in love for others or to love others well is just intentional intercession right are are we intentionally prayer warrioring for x right because yes to abide with jesus sometimes just to be in his presence but also to really bring people before him right this is this is the role of the priesthood this is what our priests do they intercede on our behalf lord have mercy lord have mercy lord have mercy you know that that is what they're doing so are we loving others enough to bring them before the Lord? That is an act of love, to remember them, not just in a general way, but specifically. Like, I'm going to pray for my friend. Um, I'm actively praying for one of my friends now because he had a, a foot issue come up where his nerve endings are just, like, fried. And he's got this unbelievable pain when he wears shoes or walks or anything. Dang. Okay, well, to tell him I'm going to pray for him because I love him, but then to actually pray to remember him, right? To think about to think about your spouse. I know my I I know when my wife is struggling. Am I just feeling sorry for her being available for her or am I like stepping in that place as the priest of my family to to fight against the powers of hell or whatever demon or spirit or whatever may be trying to influence her in the moment? Like am I actively doing that? Am I doing that for my kids? Am I praying for my kids' future spouses out of love for them? Like just really thinking about this intentional intercession. Now in the the place of the church, right? My pastor. Am I praying for my pastor? Am I paying attention enough to him? Do I know him well enough? Have I invested in him well enough that I can say, wow, it seems like father's really struggling. I need to up my prayer for him. I really need to intercede for him on behalf of the, you know, parish or whatever. I need I need to be intentionally praying. That's another great way to grow in love for somebody. Uh, when I was working in a Catholic school, I had a student come to me, and she said, she said to me, she said, you know, Mr. Kahn's, my I don't love my sister. I'm really struggling to love. I I don't love my sister. She's always picking on me. She's really hard on me. Our relationship is it's just not good, and I don't love her. I said, okay, well. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to intercede for her. Just make it a habit of daily praying for her. And and not just begrudgingly, but saying like, Lord, I um I want you to bless my sister today. Give her everything she needs and and flood her day with joy. Um and also, Lord, help me to really mean that. And I kid you not, a month later she comes bouncing into my office. She's like, Oh, Mr. Kahn's, you won't believe it. I'll tell you this. I I love my sister again. I don't hate oh, her guts. Really? I don't hate her anymore. <laughs> and I said, really? What what happened? Did she change? <laughs> I, and I assumed I knew what was going to kind of be the response here. But I said, what? Did she change? She said, no, I did. Dang. <laughs> I, yeah. And I just thought like that, that is the power of, of all the things that Jesus asks us to do is so that we can love God and love others. And in this praying for others it's so powerful because it changes your brain chemistry. It's, it, you know, there's even psychological elements about it. It, it allows you to love people well. C.S. Lewis has a famous line. He says, don't worry about whether or not you actually love others well. Act as though you do, and you will come to love them well. And that's what this is all about. And I would say, finally, um, the, the final one would be 
if if you're seeking to grow in holiness, and this is assuming a certain level of spiritual maturity, but the other one would be to intentionally disciple someone else. And, and the reason for this is because it ups the accountability for you because you're now walking along with someone else. And that's a really powerful thing. Um, but also because our holiness in so many ways is tied to bearing fruit, right? The, the, the proof of our holiness, right? The proof of, proof of our faith is in these actions, which prove the faith, which bear fruit. And so um, Jesus says this eight times in those 17 verses. He says, uh, he talks about bearing fruit specifically. And he says, in this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Fruit is proof of being a disciple. So we need to bear fruit. And again, he says, without me, you can do nothing. And so we won't bear fruit without him. So bearing fruit is both a mark of discipleship, right? And it is then the thing that happens when we abide with him. So we can see this clearly in the many in the great saints that we celebrate as a church, right? Brother Andre, St. Andre Bissette, healings. You know, people learning about God, being drawn to him in a real way. The building of an actual basilica. These are fruits that came out of this very simple man's life because of his faith, because of his abiding with Jesus. Then he was able to bear great fruit. So evangelizing and discipling others, it's just a very tangible way to produce fruit, right? And it could be your coworker, could be a student, could be a friend, could be a random stranger. It could be your children, right? But to intentionally seek to bear that fruit. And, and we have to remember that this is what we're called to. And it won't happen if Jesus is not the impulse behind it. So that's just kind of the disclaimer, right? You, it needs to flow from Jesus and return to Jesus. So again, one of the best ways to love them is to actively accompany them in their walk towards heaven, is to actively disciple someone. And you will find that as you do so, you will end up having people running alongside you towards heaven. And, and that becomes then a great way to grow in love for others, which allows you and helps you to grow in holiness as well. I have a situation. Uh-oh. I don't like discipling people because I get annoyed <laughs> with people. And here's why. And this is, and I think it's a call to humility for me, is because I'm so on fire for the church that when people aren't as on fire, it kind of douses mine. That I, okay, that might be your perspective or your experience of it, your perception of, of your experience. Yeah. But my experience walking alongside you as I have for the last 10 years is that you are one of the most intentional people when it comes to discipleship. Discipleship and maybe evangelization is the better word for, for what we're talking about here, but discipleship is the passing on of the faith to other people, right? And, and it does intentionally. But there's also people who are just called to disciple for seasons in people's lives, right? So we think about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip discipled that guy in about 10 seconds, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And, and he just baptizes him and he moves on. He says, okay, now, now on you go. So I have seen you. I have heard of you. I have heard stories of you discipling many, many people. And sometimes that's through uh, religious ed or confirmation classes that you've been in. You've been a confirmation sponsor. I've seen you walk along youths who were in this 
part of the country, the northwestern Iowa, and just talk to them ad nauseum to tell them the truth of the Catholic faith that they didn't understand. And whether or not they chose to follow through on that is not on you, but that intentional evangelization, that intentional discipleship to walk alongside them is absolutely something that you do. Um, so yeah, I know, and it is frustrating because people are frustrating anyway, but <laughs> it does happen. <laughs> I have seen it happen many times. So I would throw that out there too for our listeners. Like It might not always feel like you are, but even your children, right? To disciple your children, is that's like the biggest task of parenthood, to bring them into relationship with Jesus, right? To walk them right up to the gates of heaven as you, if you can, <laughs> as much as you can to bring them to heaven with you. Yeah, I, I think my situation too, your next point uh, on the list here is probably what I need more than anything. It's not that I, I don't like to just, you know, disciple somebody. Um, for the, I, I think if I had a spiritual director, I think mm-hmm. that would be huge for me. So I'll look into it. I just got to find a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the last little tip is for anybody who's doing this. Um, if you work for the church and you are seeking to grow in holiness, you're probably at a level where you could use some spiritual direction. Absolutely. And and honestly, for any lay people too, and you do not necessarily need a priest to be your spiritual director, but you should have somebody who's trained to guide spiritual direction. And so that that's absolutely true and can be very helpful. I would also throw out um, a book for anybody who's seeking to grow in holiness. It's called Habits for Holiness. It's by Father Mark Mary. And it's all about taking those, those little steps, like building one good habit. Kind of, It's kind of like uh, overcoming vice by building virtue or fighting vice by building virtue. So you're just slowly incorporating these new habits into your life that allow you to cultivate virtuous habits, which lead to and help you to grow in holiness. And I would say that that's a great resource for anyone. Habits for Holiness, Father Mark Mary. Mm. I don't know what that was, but go with it. (laughs) It sounded good. All right, should we move on to Devil's Advocate? Dun, dun, dun. Fire and Brimstone, that's what that was. That's what that was. Okay. Could you tell because of my hand actions? Your spirit fingers? <laughs> it was <laughs> spirit. Yeah, spirit fingers. <laughs> yep. So, John, I get it. This guy, this Andre Bassetti, he's awesome, but I'm never going to be as holy as he was to do what he did. Or, matter of fact, any saint. So, uh, why try? <laughs> oh, that is tough, actually. And I have felt that to my core at different times when I read about different saints. But here's the good news. You are not called to be like St. Andre Bisset or any other saint. You are called to be the unique saint that God called you to with your own unique gifts, your own talents, and your own calling on your life. And, and so if, if you don't think that you, that God can work with you, then you need a bigger God, right? So why not? Like, why not go for it? Because there, there's nothing that disqualifies you from radically partnering with God to build the kingdom. You just you chase after Christ, abide with him, and say a radical yes to the life he's given you. Remember, Andre Bissett was an uneducated, 
unhealthy man who got stuck sitting at the same door for 40 years. And look what God did with him. Be holy in your home. Be holy in your work. And remember that it's Jesus who does all of it. You just have to abide with him. You just have to abide with him. And if you do, what you'll find is that God is giving you this great invitation from Isaiah 43, verse 19. He is about to do a new thing. And now it springs forth. Can you not perceive it? God is calling you to something. And all you have to do is say yes and abide with him and grow in love for others. Respond radically yes in the life you're living now. And he's going he's gonna to take it from there to make you into the saint the world needs. That's so good. And I here, got one for you. Oh, before, go before you uh, go, even Jesus needed a jackass. So <laughs> even, even if you think you're going to fall on your face, even if you think you're, you're not as good as you know, um, any of the saints that are there, you show up and Jesus will use you. You show up and Jesus will take whatever you give him and make it work or make it 10 times better than you ever thought it was going to be, right? Jesus had to ride a donkey in there. So if you have to be that donkey for him, just show up. <laughs> Even Jesus needed a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> Can that be the, the show title? <laughs> that should be the show title. <laughs> Uh, can we maybe we can expound on that and make that a whole yeah <laughs> different absolutely. episode? <laughs> and it could be underwhelming saints, right? Saints with normal stories. Yep, I love that. Yeah, let's put it on the books. <laughs> I got one for you, Ty. I have right. a devil's advocate for you. All right. Now I imagine if somebody picked up this episode and maybe they, you know, they they're listening to it and they're see, they're thinking about all this work we're trying to do to become holy, and they're just thinking classic Catholics. You're always trying to work your way into heaven. How would you respond? Well, as you know me, it wouldn't be very diplomatic uh, in how <laughs> I would respond. But I would say, yeah, you're, we are working to get to heaven. I mean, Scripture says it. Tradition says it. You read in, in James, right? Faith without works is dead. Right? You, you, you show me your faith apart from your works, and I, by my works, will show you my faith. I mean, what a, what a testament to your faith by living it out. If you're all about words, if you're all about just quoting scripture, but you don't show that you love your neighbor, you're showing that you don't love your God, because God says to love your neighbor. God says to lay down your life. So you show me your faith without works, and I'm actually going to show you that you have no faith. That's all I got. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen, amen. <laughs> yeah, we don't earn our way to heaven, but we got to partner with grace to get there. And, and he clearly calls us into faith, into action. And so, yeah, I think he nailed that on the head. So how about some actionable steps? Um, this is a pretty simple one today for an actionable step. I want you guys to prayerfully read John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. And, and as you prayerfully read that, I want you to reflect just how, how can I more deeply abide in Christ? 
knowing that if I abide in Christ, he will bear fruit through me. That that, is, that that is what he promises here in the scriptures, that if we abide with him, we will bear fruit, our joy will be complete. And in doing so, we will be able to love others as he loved us. So that simple prayer, John 15, verses 1 through 17, just immerse yourself in that. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals Podcast. If you found today's show helpful, please immediately text it to your pastor and a friend in Catholic ministry so that others can find out about the show and begin transforming their parish through their work. You can get in touch with us by going to catholicministryprofessionals.com and clicking on send a message. Those messages, they do come right to our email. They help us to refine the content so that we can better serve you. And with that, We'll see you in the vineyard.